0: Hello and welcome to episode 153 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and uh, we have a really good episode for you today on the program. We have the person behind the new squash uh, website called um, theshowcourt.com, and uh, this produces fresh squash every other Friday. Uh, Right now, currently, there are 10... Ten pieces of uh, great fresh squash up there on her website. It's a production of fantastic squash stories where uh, she takes a deep dive into the various aspects of the topic that she's writing about, Uh, this person being Alex Williams. So Alex, uh, really happy to have her on the podcast now, up until now, on the show court. Um, She's had... uh, um, the likes of Jonathan Power. She's written about uh, Jonathan and Diego Elias uh, and most recently Rachel Grinham and there's even a little uh, story about yours truly up there and this podcast and it was fantastic uh, to go through that uh, with her. Really had a good time with that and this uh, episode is fantastic as well. Uh, We talk a bit about uh, how she found uh, squash the game a little bit later in life but she's always been uh, an athlete so uh, that, that came up a a bit squash came into her life a bit later on but uh, now she's fully embracing it and uh, how that's played out for her and uh, also uh, her love for the game uh, of squash and uh, how the show show court uh, manifested itself from that and where it was born from basically and uh, her thoughts uh, and our thoughts I guess as well on uh, the reporting of squash in our squash media and uh, outside maybe in the mainstream media we talk a little bit about that As well, so Alex Williams today uh, on episode 153. Really enjoyed catching uh, up with her after uh, she uh, spoke with me for the show court. Now, if you haven't checked out the showcourt.com, please do so. There's some great stuff up there, like I mentioned. Most, I think, yeah, her most recent uh, piece is on Rachel Grinham, uh, former world number one, and uh, it's a fantastic read. So please take a look at that now. uh, Before we get into Episode 153. I just want to uh, talk to you about our sponsor, Active Scout. Um, they are working away on building uh, uh, on a build that will help a new build on their website that will help clubs grow and expand their membership base. In the next few weeks, hopefully soon, we will have uh, the founder of Active Scout, Rob Eberhardt, on our podcast, and he'll tell us about his thoughts on how clubs can retain and build upon their membership. This is going to be critical now. Uh, clubs are opening up all over the place, so he'll have something to uh, say about that and how we can move forward. I'm excited to download uh, the Active Scout app and review it for you at that time and see how the app simplifies the membership onboarding process. So. You've heard me talk about the app prior to each of my podcasts, but hold off on downloading uh, anything until I give you the full tour and exclusive review. And I'm assuming that will uh, happen in a Couple of weeks when we have Rob on uh, the podcast. Now, here and only here on the InSquash podcast will that happen. So stay tuned. Now, if you're looking for more information about Active Scout, feel free to visit their website at www.active scout dot com. That is Active Scout without the e. Now let's get into uh, episode 153. Really enjoyed uh, catching up with Alex Williams of the ShowCourt dot com. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're still in Victoria yeah.
1: yeah, still in Victoria, yeah.
0: Yeah, it must be nice uh, there.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like twenty degrees. It's mm. just the sun is shining every day. I it's perfect it's it's always really nice. Yeah, so yeah. it's beautiful right now, definitely. Yeah. It
0: definitely. reminds me of i mean, I've been there a few times but it sort of reminds me of my hometown a little bit of Halifax. It's right oh, on, yeah. the, yeah. on the coast and the although it's not as uh, nice for as long. Uh, the summers are, tend to be shorter in Halifax, but they're, they're still, uh, I mean, it's an amazing time uh, to be there. Yeah. So, um, I hear that
1: a lot. Victoria and Halifax are quite similar in the summer.
0: Mm. Yeah, they are. And Halifax <laughs> is kind of a quaint little city yeah. in its own way. And, and uh, of course, Victoria is you know, absolutely beautiful. So. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: we're lucky. I'm lucky to have grown up here. Um, oh okay. Yeah, so I was born and raised here. Yeah. Right. Um and my whole family's still here, so it's like perfect because we come back as much as we you know, we come back four times a year. Right. Um good visits. So it's like we have the best uh we have a good setup. Let's let's put it that way. We got a good setup. Yeah. No doubt.
0: No doubt. Yeah, Calgary's fantastic. It's the, uh, you know, it's sort of like uh you know, Calgary's a uh, unique in its own way. I think in Canada it's got this own its, it's own vibe, you know. There are a few cities like that like I think Montreal is like that. Calgary. Yeah. Uh, Even yeah. further east, St. John's, Newfoundland, ha- is quite unique in its own way, too. So.
1: Yeah, like its own personality, almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when you're there, you kind of can't help but adopt the personality. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Calgary's definitely like that, But which is why it's nice to come back to Victoria. As back often. to your roots. Back to my roots.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, how did you... Start your squash in uh, Victoria. Is that where you, did you pick up the no. game in Victoria?
1: No, so I so I grew up in Victoria, and I grew up um, playing a lot of competitive sports. And most of the sports I played, well, I played fastball predominantly. So, fastball. Like the under- Oh, cool. yeah, baseball, yeah. Fastball. yeah, yeah. So I played. You know, the west coast of Canada is big into baseball. Like, they're baseball mm. town. Kind of all up and down the coast, all so the slow pitch lead. I was lucky to play high level competitive fastball, yeah. Um, and then I kind of gave up competitive sports kind of when I turned like maybe 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually didn't start playing squash till I was about 34. It was the first time right. I picked up, so I'm a late bloomer to squash. Uh, so I had had three kids and four years. And I have uh, a reasonably successful digital marketing and publishing firm. So I had all these like amazing things going. They're overwhelmed with that brand new baby syndrome. So yeah. my husband was like, I think you need a hobby. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think yeah. you need to do something. And I was like, yeah. okay. So I had a girlfriend who played in the lady, Monday morning lady squash class. This and is in said, uh, oh,
0: Calgary, I'm right? In
1: Calgary, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So at the winter club. So I decided mm-hmm. to join the Monday morning beginner lady squash club um, or class. And it was just like I, you know, some people talk about the squash bug. You get bitten by the bug. Like it was almost instant for me. Wow. Um, yeah. Like I just loved it right right from my first class. I absolutely loved it.
0: Wow. Yeah. That, that was at the, win- the Calgary winter club.
1: Yeah. The Calgary I, winter
0: club. Uh, who was it? Alex? Who, who's the pro there? Uh, when not, it was an older fella, um,
1: Yeah, so Glenn has been the pro for about the last seven years. Okay. Um, I don't, I can't remember, I don't know the history as well. I'm not as well versed in the history. Arthur
0: Hough, um, I think his name was, or something like that. H-O-U-G-H, Hough. Um, that would, that, like, dates way back. Way back in
1: the day. <laughs> way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had this great group of women who, uh, play squash at the Calgary winter club. Um, and I think what was so compelling for me about squash is not only is the game complex and it's so great physically, but, uh, certainly in Southern Alberta, we have like a really amazing community of women who play at the club level, who are super conscious and focused on encouraging more women to play. Right on. I think like a lot of time, you know, women, anybody can be competitive men or women, but definitely, um, women's competitive women are a little different maybe than competitive men. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be, yeah, socially it can be a bit different. So I, it was exciting for me, right? Like not only did I, was I immediately addicted? Like I immediately started training four or five days a week or just getting on court and practicing and playing, but there was, I was surrounded by women kind of in my age
0: group like 30, oh, that's interesting years. if you don't mind sure. if we step back and uh, like yeah. what what do you think the difference is between the competitive i know like competitive men they kind of take little digs at each other there's a lot of a little yeah. bit of trash talk there going on and uh uh there, there's that competitive side and i think it gets kind of you know i'm better than you yeah. and, and th- th- this kind of thing Who who's the top dog amongst the group and there's a bit of alpha male ego going on uh at that level sometimes. What about with, with the women? What, what do you see as the, the, the difference?
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think with men, there's a lot of like, you fight it out on court and then you're good to go for a beer after. You know what I mean? Like It's very distinct, like the match and the social component. I yeah. think with women, um, it's just very different, right? Like, um, mm. I, I think that oftentimes the outcome of the match, what happens on the court, has residual rippling effects on the social dynamics, right? Okay. So like, yeah.
0: so know, it's an extension club. of the social uh, arm. <laughs> yeah.
1: It permeates yeah. the wine. So okay. like inner club, which would be obviously when, you know, your clubs play each other is just a really great example, right? Like guys will tell you, oh, I can't stand playing that guy. Like I can't stand out. We have such a great time after, but I can't yeah. stand playing that guy. Whereas with women, you know my experience in, with women in general in competitive sports is they tend to ice each other out a little bit more. You know if they didn't if you didn't have a good time on court you're not going to have a good time having a glass right. of wine right. after. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, which is often you know it's a broad statement. I hate to like. Paint women so you know in that light but my experience has definitely been uh, throughout competitive sports that's been my experience with women
0: and that okay uh, so that's just not just squash that's uh all throughout the oh, yeah. competitive yeah okay
1: that's girl world jerry don't girl even world
0: yeah well i, I can see that wealthy. with my with my <laughs> wife and the competitive sport uh, that she plays and and you know i can definitely see that and and i hear about that uh, at home a lot yeah as well so yeah it's like
1: <laughs> that's what it meant it permeates
0: yeah, like yeah. it's like
1: girls we don't stop women we don't you know we let it maybe we let it fester too long maybe we care too much jerry maybe, maybe we care maybe, too maybe.
0: Much. but it is what it is and uh yeah that's i mean it's all good though we, we get you know more people playing squash that way and more ladies playing and you get out of it what you you know what you want right so yeah
1: Definitely. Yeah. So it was neat for me, you know, coming from a world where women weren't necessarily as encouraging, especially if you were, you know, athletic and maybe you had a knack for it or a passion and you start to progress. You know, in a lot of I think anybody, you know, there's there's hierarchies, right? Like in any yeah. in any club, in any sport, from soccer to hockey to squash. So I, I just felt so encouraged by the women, specifically in my club and definitely the women in Calgary and the women in Southern Alberta, mm-hmm. because they were all really encouraging uh, for me to yeah. co- continue to progress uh, and continue to improve and, you know, play tournaments and all that kind of good stuff. So I, that for me was like really exciting coming out of this kind of place where I had felt like I didn't have as much of my identity as I had in my early 20s. To not only find something to be passionate about but a community of women who were so excited to help mm-hmm. me you know put down roots in playing squash so yeah, well,
0: they probably saw you you know, you know this girl she's very athletic she's keen she she likes the game but you know she you know she's someone we we want uh part of our as part of our squash group
1: yeah, yeah i feel blessed I, I i definitely feel the love from these ladies for sure
0: that's great. Now, where, do you still play at the, the winter club? Is that your home club? Yeah. Okay. So I still
1: play at the winter club. Um, yeah. I've had, I play a lot of tournaments, so I get around to a lot of the clubs kind of around Southern Alberta and I've yeah. had, I've actually gone and played, I went and played at the amateur tournament at the TOC in New York. So oh, wow. I like, Oh, great. Oh, yeah. That must've been I, great. That was
0: how that. was that? How was, how was that? Oh, it
1: was amazing. It was yeah. like amazing. The yeah. whole TOC was amazing, but I had been playing squash for about six months and, um, I've been playing squash for about six months. And then I kind of heard about this tournament, the TOC, which for yeah. me, I was like, Oh, there's just a tournament in New York. And uh,
0: <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> right, I'm like, Little did <laughs> you know. <laughs> Little
1: yeah. did I know. So my husband goes to New York for business every January and it happened to coincide with the dates of the TOC. <laughs> So my husband said, like, let's go, like, let's, you know, just come to New York with me and let's go. And I said, okay, like, that sounds great. And then I found out there's the amateur tournament, which happens on the Saturday of the TOC. Um, and I just said to my husband, I love you. I know we're supposed to be there on Sunday, but I'm going to go Friday and I'm going to play in the amateur (laughs) tournament. And he was like, okay, like all the plans have changed. So I went, um, so I stayed in my hotel by myself and all that, you know, it's all great. And I show up and the matches were all being played at the Harvard club. So lovely, like a nice club. But there was also a bunch of um, pros who were warming up at the Harvard club. Right. So I go and I check in for my court and I, and I go up and I think I'm at my court and there's this girl with a coach and she looks amazing. And I think this is the amateur tournament.
0: Right. Right. And I, your opponent. I'm like, this is my (laughs)
1: opponent. I'm freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God! This has been a massive mistake. Welcome to so the I, TOC. Oh, yeah. Oh, welcome. I know. I was like, man, did I bite off more than I can chew in this situation? So yeah. it was like 9 a.m. New York time, and I called my squash coach back in Calgary. So it's like 7 a.m. for him. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I made a mistake. Get book me a ticket. Get me out of here. He's like, <laughs> just settle down. Like those are pros. Those aren't your. It's not <laughs> right. the. Great- yeah so right. but you know it was a blast uh That's playing awesome. in the yeah. great great parties um and then yeah. the TOC like have you been to the toc
0: well actually you said funny you, you talk about that i i was going to go myself this year i had an invitation from a friend of mine who said jerry let's do this let's go it's a little <laughs> bit difficult for me to get away unfortunately from from work here but i really yeah. wanted to go and uh so it's it's something that I want to do maybe next year. We'll see if I can get away. But it was in the plans for, for this year. And, uh, I'd like to give it a go. I, I'm wondering, what what's, is it just an open amateur draw? Is that, is that how it works? Yeah.
1: yeah, it was like, just put your credit card in and we'll fit you in. Okay. So um, it was just, yeah, it was that old,
0: the classic. Okay. Yeah. Do
1: you have, Will your check bounce? That's yeah. all you yeah. need.
0: New York City, that's how it works.
1: Yeah, right. So I think the men had like 150, but I think the women's had like 45 or 50. Okay. Um, and they did a one day draw, which is, um, you know, that's hard, right? Three matches yeah. in a day, yeah. three or four in a day. That's you definitely. You prepare big. for that
0: one. Were you prepared for, for that?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: I don't I know. I, I wouldn't be.
1: <laughs> if, the unless time, the
0: games were like one, you know, if it was the best of three best or, of three, you know, one three. game to 11 or something, then, then it would be okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, was, I was it a best the, of three format or a best of five?
1: Uh, best of five. Like really, we were right? going okay. only, I would say that at that point I was prepared because I was only six months in playing. So pretty much the only advantage I had was cardio over, you
0: know, like I had like. At that point only you'd only been cardio. playing for six months.
1: Six months. Yeah. Okay.
0: And this so was last year? This
1: uh, was, when did we go? It would have been t- uh, 2018. I think okay. 2018. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Oh.
1: Yeah. Uh, or maybe 2019. I can't remember. Why does it feel like forever ago? It's like less than, you know, it's only well, you're, a couple of years.
0: You're now, now you're a veteran. You're, you're a veteran of the game. It's been.
1: I know. There's been too many tournaments.
0: Let's <laughs> um,
1: already. They're already fuzzy. Yeah. So that was amazing. And then so my husband came, joined me, and then we watched the quarters and the semis. And is he, um,
0: uh, he must be a squash player as well, is he? Uh...
1: Never. He does not play any squash. He really? He does not okay. play oh. any okay. racket sports. Okay. So we went, he's just keen, like he was just keen that I was so keen. Um, So we go and like, you know, the quality of the play for someone so new to the sport, it was amazing. Like for both my husband and I obviously were supremely impressed. And I think it had a huge impact on me and a huge impact on him. And he kind of understood my commitment better because at this point, like I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Right? So and I have a business, um, so to ask my family to make sacrifices so I could go play squash, you know, it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he kind of under, after the TOC, I would say he, he got it. He definitely
0: got it after that. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, that that's the, the, one of the, I mean, one of the biggest events on the, in, in professional squash, if not the biggest, I mean, you've got the world championship and that dates, so, I mean, that, that, that tournament, you know, we'll talk about Jonathan a little bit later, Jonathan Power, but that, I think it was in 1996. That was his breakthrough win yeah. at the tournament yeah. of champions. I remember that like like it was yesterday. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so I mean, yeah, you you were there at the tournament where Jonathan Power broke through. That there was, was your,
1: pictures of him all over the place. Oh, you really? know, like these big time. I remember in the the bar across the hall, they had <laughs> yeah. these big like mural pic- timeline pictures, and there was this huge picture of Jonathan. You know, like 1996. Wow. It was very. Well, cool. yeah. And Wonder what he to... thinks
0: of when he sees that when he walks in, his, if he looks yeah. up. Because he's, he's he such a out. like he's such a you know for a guy who comes across as being such a brash and you know brash character, he, I think he is humble though in, in a lot of ways. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely, you
0: know, yeah. definitely. So I, so I imagine that's kind of embarrassing for him to, to look up in, to in see a way. <laughs> to see his face. But, but,
1: life, his own life-size image. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But the, so, you're, are you, so you're back playing in Calgary, and I noticed um, my friend Bob Ballinger had posted recently that uh, he had opened Banker's Hall. He's been on yeah. the podcast several times because of the, the Banker's Hall uh, Pro-Am, which I'm sure you, yeah. you're aware of. So just to, for everybody listening out there, who I know my club just opened, and the, the manager there doesn't know much about Squash. It's a hotel where I play. So uh, I'm just trying to feed them as much information about COVID uh, regulations and how we can uh, sort of you know what we can do as players to play and stuff like that. But um, what are, what what about at your club? What sort of generally what what kind of uh, regulations do they have in place for the players and in, in terms yeah. of just getting on court? And-
1: so with squash, it used to be. Um- definitely we have seven courts and a doubles court so we have a lot of courts at our club it's a private facility um so you really used to be able to kind of most 80 percent of the time you could wander down there and probably get a court or you might wait you know 20 minutes for a court so it was pretty casual pretty come and go uh so now you have to book your everybody has to book your court in advance um day
0: in advance or
1: I think you can book the same day if okay. there's availability. I think you can book the same day. Um, so, you book your court in advance, you show up, you have to give it, you can only be there 15 minutes before your booking, is the earliest nice. you can arrive. Hmm. You have to check in with the pro. I'm pretty sure the pros are cleaning, um, like disinfecting the door handles. And I like to picture them like scrubbing the walls
0: yeah,
1: by hand. I <laughs> down there it's in squash. Who, who's you know?
0: the pro again? At, yeah, the, the head pro? Well, co-
1: Glenn Stark is the head pro. Okay, right,
0: right, yeah.
1: Yeah, Glenn. Shout and out to he,
0: Glenn.
1: Shout out to Glenn. Hey,
0: Glenn. buddy, <laughs>
1: Glenn. Um, so, yeah, so they're wiping down the courts and doing the door handles, that kind of thing. You check in with the pro. You go to your court. You have a 75-minute booking, and then you have to leave right away. So there's no access to showers. There's no change room. I think there's a change room if you just need to quickly, you know, change into out of your gym strip right um but yeah like it's pretty in and out you have to check in at the front desk before you can even get to your squash court right um so it's definitely different than our culture was before which was very communal you know you yeah. can roll in but
0: yeah you, you have your friends watching you play yeah. and you have a beer i'm not sure if your club allows you to have beers next to the court but uh you know my got back and, sorry they but
1: got, they got wise to us having they beers got-
0: with- at the courts, yeah, course. Got, yeah, yeah. Caught on to us. In my club back in hell, the old club, we at uh, the bar was like right next to the glass back wall there. So the hooligans always uh shouting at you while you were playing.
1: See, that's Which what is Bob entertaining. Yeah, right? <laughs> like Bob Ballinger at that's Bacon, his life. He's got a good setup there. Like he's got yeah. two courts right by his bar, like I love yeah. going to his Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That, that's a netflix series in and of itself right there you, you set it up bob's court Bob's Court. <laughs> yeah. Bob's court. yeah so yeah. it's not
1: too bad yeah. i mean it's regimented for sure and everyone's being cautious and then you are allowed to you get to identify your own kind of pod of people that you play with
0: yeah so yeah.
1: i know some people some courts you can only play with family you know there's some different regulations but it our club, they're letting us choose the people that we play with. Um, and it's kind of up to your own discretion if you're comfortable right. playing with whoever you're playing with.
0: Okay. Um, yeah,
1: so yeah. It's, not, it's not too that bad. That seems
0: fairly, you know, doable and, and uh, you know, feasible for, for everybody, yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, I remember last time we talked, Squash Canada had just released their, like, yeah. go, code guidelines. Um, yeah. and they were – they felt um, – overwhelming like as a club player airing on the side of caution
0: Mm -hmm.
1: very much so you know they recommended changing your grip between every two balls on the court yeah like multiple balls on the court and i'm like isn't that a tripping hazard you know all this kind of stuff so um we really didn't know what to expect uh we really didn't know what to expect
0: but i I guess at the end of the day like uh, the pros there and the management there they 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 come up they they decide what they think is best and uh and then yeah. go from there.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah. it's fair what they put forward. I think it's fair.
0: That's good. That's good. So, uh, so Calgary, been great to you, and you've been able to access those. Uh, now, uh, now for everyone who's listening, uh, Alex has the new uh, uh, the Show Court Squash Stories website where she feeds squash feeds a squash every other Friday, right? Every Fresh other squash, Friday. every other Friday. Is that right? <laughs> fresh squash every other friday i think it's fresh every second friday, friday but uh, every i think the other yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so where um i guess did you get this idea just from being exposed to a lot of you know just a lot of great squash there in calgary because there there is a lot it just seems like throughout the year there's even uh, like pro events going on all the time there women's men's pro ams stuff like yeah. that so i guess uh did that sort of uh is it born out of that, out of that context, or I guess you have a writing background as well, don't you?
1: Yeah, I've spent ten years as a, the editor of a magazine, so that you know has given me a really strong foundation of writing and what people want to read. And um, but my background in writing has never been what I've been passionate about. You know, you write what you're you know essentially paid to write about. Yeah. Um, so in Calgary, or I guess I should say, I'm I'm an avid sports fan in general. I love watching sports. I love consuming sports stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so the short court was almost inspired by, you know, we're seeing so many amazing sports media put out there, documentaries, uh, yeah. journalism, even po- uh, podcasts, obviously. Like there's some incredible sports media being put out there right now. Um, and I, my personal preference, I love to read. Like I like to I'll read something before I listen to it. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of knew that, There was a ton of great websites that give you match scores and statistics and insights, but there wasn't anything that was really giving me like the backstory. Like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Like, how did this come to be? You know? um, And so, watching these documentaries and over COVID, having a little more time on my hands, I really felt like, you know, this is a a niche in our market that isn't maybe isn't filled, or maybe I haven't found it. Maybe it is being filled, but I couldn't necessarily find it um so I thought you know I have a background in this uh and I'm this is a great chance to write about something that I'm super passionate about um so that's kind of why I decided you know why not uh let's do it um and I would say it's in my personality to kind of ask questions and be curious and you know I love to know why um so it really (laughs) you know
0: (laughs) how do you think that? Yeah.
1: So it really <laughs> felt natural for me.
0: It really felt Well, you felt and natural. I are in the same boat. I mean, that's kind of where I came from with mine because uh, like I said, when you when uh, when we when you interviewed me for the, I think it was the fifth story on your show, yeah. first, fifth one, yeah. uh, it was an awesome experience. And uh, basically that's the same reason I started my podcast is because there were a few podcasts out there, but none that were updated regularly, like every week, you know, these yeah. are the ones that I like to listen to and, and also, uh, like you said, just to flesh out a bit more uh, content and provide, uh, get that out there for, for people to, li- to listen to, and also to feed my own passion uh, uh, yes. for the game and for sport, like you. So yeah, we, I think we're pretty much the, you know, I'm, I'm the podcast version of you.
1: Exactly, and you know, in <laughs> when we talked last time, what something you said that really resonated me was that you know. You know, in its own way, your podcast is a way that you remain competitive because you're not playing as competitively maybe as you have in the past. Yeah. Um. And I certainly think that I'm naturally competitive with my own self, for sure. Like, why else would I have had you know run a full time business and had three kids in four years? Yeah, that's amazing. Just so I could say I did it. No other reason. Like, pfft, so short sighted. <laughs> but here we are yeah. <laughs> too late now. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know but I'm competitive with myself. And so when you said that, that resonated with me so much, because for me, that is part of the show court, you know, like, can I do it? You know, I don't know what to do, but I think what I feel like is kind of interesting about my position is because it's only been a couple of years playing squash. I feel like I come at it with kind of a fresh perspective and fresh eyes, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know how it's always been done. Maybe, maybe this is the right way, but maybe it's not the right way. Or like, I don't know this story. Maybe this, everyone else has known this, but they've forgotten about this amazing player who had this amazing start. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think that maybe what's exciting to me is I get to look at issues with fresh eyes. I get to talk to f- players with a fresh perspective and kind of an excitement. And you know, a little bit of my naivete, might you know, actually work yeah. for me in the long run. Um, but I know it's been really exciting and I'm like shocked at how well received it's been. Oh, you know, I I
0: mean, you said it earlier there. I don't, I don't think there is, there might be one or two occasions where they do have deeper insight into the game where they have some, I think squash PSA puts out some decent material in the the way by way of video. There's not a lot of writing there but uh, you know their documentaries or squash skills sometimes they put out some really good things, like the uh, the Bronx tale story yeah, that, that was they awesome. had that was awesome and um, but in terms of something regular in writing uh, I don't think it's it's out there so this is really it's really awesome what you're doing now your yeah, first uh, yeah now, your, your first story was the JP story right yeah
1: my That's first story. that was an
0: awesome jumping off point uh, I didn't have the guts to go that that way uh, and I probably didn't have the uh, the platform either, but uh, obviously you had a bit of a, a contact as, as it turned out, and uh, and you have the the, the background. But to tell us about how that all played out. The the J the first story with uh, with JP and what was that experience like? I mean, for me, uh, I was just he's such a hero. I'm older than him, and I've played him a couple times in the past yeah. uh, as a junior. But it uh, would have been just like no way I can't. In- uh, there's no way I can interview like him and you know jp in my first interview it's like yeah, yeah. i've got to build up to, to that you know i've got to build but uh with you uh i think you know not knowing may, maybe you knew of him and didn't have this didn't revere him in the same way that maybe i i did it, it might have been the easier kind of uh way to get to as a jumping off point and a perfect yeah. one
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah you know I definitely didn't have, you know, not growing up watching him play. I didn't look at him in that sense, with that sense of awe and wonder. I wasn't as intimidated, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which, Again, my personality, I'm just like, well, here we go. Yeah. But um, so my squash coach in Calgary is a uh, like an amazing coach, an amazing player named Ian Power. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan is Ian's brother. Yeah. So... Yeah. Ian and I spend hours and hours talking about squash and we have these like amazing squash conversations. You know, he's a very dear friend to my husband and I. And so I was kind of, you know, him and I have gone back and forth, about all these great ideas and kind of when I said I wanted to go maybe move in the editorial direction, he like threw it in my lap. He's like, well, let's call Jonathan. And I'm like, (laughs) whoa, he's uh like, let's do it like why not and it was right when they were launching super squash saturday so they kind of were keen jonathan isn't always keen to you know i think he's i wouldn't say he's moved on with his life but like he's not keen to like he's not out
0: in the public uh, that much he hasn't you know despite all the he's doing some amazing work with diego right i mean this guy's like the you know future world number one world champion and and he's just sort of in the background and yes yeah (laughs) You barely even
1: get a picture of them together. Yeah. Um, so Ian, so generous, he's like, let's call him. I'll call him. Let's set it up. And I was like, sure. <laughs> well, obviously, of yeah. course, 100 So he gets on the phone with Jonathan. And now I would met Jonathan maybe once or twice socially with Ian. So I felt like I had a bit of a rapport with him. So I felt maybe a little bit more comfortable. But... Um, so, he gets on the phone with Jonathan and then all of a sudden he's like, "Well, why not Diego too?" He's like, "Do you want to do Diego too?" Like they're doing <laughs> sure. and I'm like, yeah. "Do I want to do Diego?" <laughs> yes, I want to do Diego too. Like yeah. it was kind of um deaf, like death by firing squad. Like it was like, "Here we go." Like yeah. you are, you know, it was a put your money where your mouth is kind of moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. if you're doing that, you said you're doing it, so yeah. you're doing it. Um so we get on this Zoom call Um, and it was, I mean, Jonathan is like, um, this sounds really funny, but in a weird way, I feel like Jonathan and I are actually similar, like could actually be quite similar in personality. He's incredibly, to talk to him, he's incredibly intelligent. He has so many interesting things to say, but he's really not afraid to question things, right? Like he's really afraid to, um you know, ask why something is the way it is. Like, why is it this way? Why do we have to do it this way? Has anybody definitely
0: always been sort of, I wouldn't say anti-establishment, but sort of, you know, definitely, you know, willing to question things that we take for granted that may not may or may not be good for whatever it is that he's questioning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, he's, he's definitely um, uninhibited. So I had kind of come up with some questions um, and, they were i had thought they would just be like good solid not softballs but good solid questions to kind of get a dialogue going and like he just teed off on (laughs) like i don't know he maybe had an extra cup of coffee or like he was happy to talk to someone besides diego but it was diego sitting together on a couch perfect storm oh it was a perfect storm Mm. so like i'm talking to jonathan and he's just teeing off about stuff he's talking about private clubs and like he's talking about all the stuff that's wrong with the girl <laughs> like, yeah. he's like well he was, was definitely
0: he grew up in the game he did not come from the private club the uh, background oh. so he came from the military yeah, uh, uh background uh, with his dad and uh yeah. yeah he was right out of the blocks he was not he was definitely uh wouldn't say and anti- like i said not anti-establishment but you know yeah,
1: yeah. he definitely He doesn't owe that um, traditional squash upbringing. He doesn't like owe that, you know, world any favor, right? Mm -hmm. It's not where he came from. Um, And I think that allows him a really great perspective, a really healthy perspective of the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, you always want to look at things objectively in order for them to grow. Mm -hmm. So Jonathan, like, you know, he was definitely hilarious, but I'm talking to him and on the zoom call, he's like half the time watching TV and all of a sudden he just pipes in and like burr, 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 like
0: kind and of like, know, like when I I remember just when I was speaking to him as well, there was a lot, you know, like like you said, but there was a lot of angst in there too. It was like he got so yeah. into it, you know. It, it, it was amazing.
1: Yeah. He definitely cares. Like yeah. he loves it. He loves it and he cares. And like I think he wants to make it better. He wants to see it grow and he wants to see it improve. You know, yeah. and This is again, not based on anything he has said, but I wonder if if there were changes, if he might come out and be more active in the community, more public in the community. I think that, um, you know, we're at a beautiful, you know, point in squash, um, you know, the crest of a wave or whatever you want to call it, where we're growing a little bit in notoriety. And I think that there's a huge um, surge of kind of fresh talent that are are Mm -hmm. coming up, you know, they're coming up the rankings. And I think that, I don't know I just wonder if it is a healthy time to have this discourse on what's working for squash and yeah, what's not yeah. working for squash as a sport
0: yeah I had this con- I had this conversation with someone a while ago. It's like squash you know we we don't get the mainstream media and with mainstream media, I think you get a lot more uh, sort of uh, objectivity because uh, you get people who will critique sports mm-hmm. that they love right the yeah. you know you get a basketball uh pundit who will critique what's going on in the sport and everyone sort of run goes with it right okay but in squash it seems like if you critique something you gotta you're like walking on eggshells a lot you know it's It's like oh you he said this about that or you know you 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 gotta you gotta be so careful uh with what you say and i think it some it stems the growth of, of the game uh if you do that
1: It's funny. I I have to say, I completely agree with you. You know, I would say that um, for sure being newer to squash and like taking on an ambitious project like this, uh, you know, I feel imposter syndrome. Like I feel fraudulent. I'm like, I don't really have a right to be writing about this, but at the same time I'm passionate. I care. So therefore I, maybe I do, but I think (laughs) I just gave myself permission, but uh, I think that, um, you know, I, you don't see people asking a lot of the hard questions. Um, mm. And, and I, sometimes I'm not sure if I should be asking the hard questions, but nobody else is, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think that we're in a really interesting time with the men's game with so much domi- you know, dominance um, from the Egyptian players. And I think that, you know, the squash is incredible. Like it's top of the line, yeah. but for me, as a viewer, as a consumer who pays, who buys her rackets, who buys tickets to the TOC, who pays for squash TV, you know, I don't watch the tournaments anymore because I know who's going to win. Like, yeah, the draw, yeah. it's so it's too formulaic. There's no yeah. mystery anymore, yeah. right? Like I can look at the draw and I could place a bet and, you know, I'm pretty sure I'd win a little money. You know, I'm pretty sure I could tell you who's going to win. Um, and that's not what sport is right like why do we all hate the yankees because they win every year like
0: it's boring
1: it's boring you know we want some like turnover we want some drama
0: we want some excitement that that, that brings us back to the 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 days john jonathan and uh, david palmer and peter nickel and there was a lot of you know back and forth and it was very physical uh mentally and physically and it was a good time. i think there's a lot of that in the game now too but it's just uh you know it's not as palpable as it was
1: yeah, yeah it's not as palpable and i you know again don't get me wrong the quality of play is unquestionable like there's oh, no yeah. doubt that the quality of play is high 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 end yeah. but as a consumer a viewer a fan am i as engaged not necessarily mm. you know like my first couple of years watching i would take those that time out at night and watch on squash TV, watch the finals. My husband and I would watch on the big TV, but we're not doing that anymore because we feel like we've seen these matches. Like how yeah. we, did we just see this match like six weeks ago? So well, I that's think what that I, what
0: that, I miss too. I mean, you, whenever you'd watch a, like a final, like, like a TOC final back in 2000 or whenever it was, it could be Thierry Linku, it could be John White, it could be Jonathan, uh, any one of these guys on the court and you never knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Right? It was like, uh, is David Palmer going to go crazy? Uh, is he going to, you, yeah. know, you know, push Jonathan through the wall, or is you know Peter going to, uh, you know, what's going to happen here and there? But now we get what we get is great, great squash, the highest yeah. level. I mean, I love uh, these guys. I like all the. I mean, they're they're all oh. so good. But yeah. that added uh, element to the sport is, it, it's, yeah. it's not there like it used to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I but you don't. You don't hear a lot of people saying that. Maybe you do. I don't. Um, I don't hear people saying, like, the squash is amazing, but as a product, you know, the PSA produces a professional product. As a product, is it as engaging as it was before or it will be in the future? It's a tricky Um, one, isn't it?
0: I mean, how are they going to overcome that? Uh, I guess it's just wait and see what happens in America. In in North America, there seems to be – they seem to be making inroads in terms of, you know, the quality of players coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. the country. Uh, uh, the juniors are quite good, but Egypt just keeps rolling, mm-hmm.
1: rolling them. Rolling them out. Yeah, You know, they have such a great development program, national development program in Egypt. Like, yeah. they've got it down to a science. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. I wrote a piece on the show oh, um, that This we'll is, this is a new one? New yeah, a new one. one. Okay. A little yeah. bit about um, development programs. And so it's going to be part of a kind of a four or five piece series about squash's lack of development program you know and how it's kind of hindering you know those mid-rank to lower rank players right so we're yeah. not seeing i th- i just feel like there's so many great psas that come through calgary and they're kind of those they're the challenger tour PSAs, yeah. and you meet these amazing players and you get to talk to these players you know you get to like sit down and have a beer with them how about right?
0: danielle Latourneau?
1: Danielle Letourneau, she's
0: uh, she's uh, coming up on the podcast next. I interviewed her uh, just a few days ago. So PSA Challenger (laughs) Tour Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. Our hometown girl. Yeah. Like Danielle, like I literally, you know, you can talk. I can talk to Danielle. I can talk to these pros, um, which is what's so exciting about that. You know, the sport. But I think that, like, when I go to Bob's tournament and I talk to the players, when I come to the, you know, the Mm -hmm. Calgary Winter Club has an amazing women's PSA Challenger event. Um, I, I talk to them and, like, it seems to be the same thing in that they leave the junior programs, the U21, the U23, and, like, it's like the carpet is, the rug is pulled out from under them. Like, this whole dedicated system of support training nutritionists you know coaching court access you know um equal match lineups like to for match play experience all that is provided and then when they graduate from these junior programs they have no professional um there's no advancement path play, you know mm. like there is in golf or tennis or right. hockey or you know, baseball being the perfect example with the minor, you know, and not saying that we need to like spoon feed them, that we need to, you know, pay them all this money. But it's like, we are, how can we be surprised when Egypt is doing so well dominating because they provide their mid ranked and lower ranked players with so much development support, you know, it's no surprise. Like they are providing those players the support they need to train properly and to improve. Um, and it's, for me, it's no wonder that players from around the world are not, you know, it's not that they're not holding their own, but there's just not the surgence of talent from other countries. Um, and I think that like, I mean, I would love to see even like a coordinated tour effort, you know, Mm. for these like lower mid to, you know, you go to your stops are coordinated, all the tournaments line up so you can just get in a car and drive from, you know, tour to tour. Like even yeah. that seems to be a bit. There's some hiccups with that. So I think it's there's like, a
0: lot of room for for improvement. Definitely the the Challenger series, though, is kind of you interesting because it's it's, it's like one of those. I think that's uh, what we'd like to see at the pro level. Like a, a lot more sort of variation of you know yeah. players and uh, obviously I haven't seen any of these. Uh, Challenger Series events, but they just seem like they're quite exciting and, you know, you never really know who's going to show up, who's going to win. And uh, uh, I mean, that's a good thing. But I guess to get to that point, after you, you know, from juniors, it it should be something that's more of a structured uh, approach, I guess, is what you're saying, yeah?
1: I think that Egypt has is the perfect example. They have a great structured approach to their players in their mid-20s to their 30s, right? Mm-hmm. These athletes are supported um, and they're thriving. Their whole program is thriving. From their junior, the participation rates are thriving. Now, yeah. granted, they have a lot of backing from their government. Obviously, you know, it's huge in Egypt. But if you look like they have such a massive groundswell of participation because the future is bright. If you're a squash player in Egypt, you're supported, you know, you have opportunity. Whereas if you look at a guy coming out of, you know, an East coast school and he's got this great four year education, then he's like, or I could go like bust my butt for very little money on the, you know, fighting my way weekend after weekend and tournament after tournament taking ice baths in hotels, like, you know, I think for for me, it's no surprise that some of the high, high-level athletes and high-level players in North America, maybe a little bit in Europe, they're not continuing because... Um, again, it's not our point. The point isn't to make it like a perfect scenario for them, but I think if we show them a little more support, you know, we might see some of those athletes give it a year or two on the tour and we might see more variation.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, One thing too, that I've talked with, I've talked to Steve Wren uh, about uh, it. talked to uh, Martin Heath about it is uh, why the fact we haven't had a, uh, like a, like they do in Europe, in England, and in uh, Holland, in France, they have uh, pro, they have leagues, pro leagues. Yeah. Like you would, like you would have, like like, like we would play every Monday night in the league, right? Uh, yeah. They have that in, in Europe. Why not in North America? Why not? Uh, I mean, you've got your East Coast tour dates, right? And during the, yeah. those periods, uh, have the league matches. Uh, you could even inject the teams from Toronto, Montreal. Boston, New York Philadelphia, Chicago blah blah blah, there you go that, that cool. makes yeah, but uh, obviously oh, logistically they they need to sort that out, but then why why don't they uh why 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 isn't that something they've I'm sure uh, maybe they are thinking of doing that because they it, it seems to be uh, something that they're familiar with and talk to uh, speak yeah. to about, so it's just a matter of logistics maybe. Yeah,
1: I hope it's on their radar because I think it would do amazing things for our Mm. sport and I think it would do amazing things for participation, you know, especially in North America. Um, Yeah, so anyways, you know, I feel like with the show court, again, my naivete, I get to ask these questions um, Mm. and I don't feel bad about it not knowing the answer. Like, I just don't know. Like you tell me, you know, (laughs) I am happy to be on happy to be educated, happy yeah. to learn what happened in 1972, why the rule is this way. Like I'm excited to learn the answer. Um, I'm excited to learn as much as I can and then to share it in a compelling and interesting way so that other people want to read about it.
0: That's uh, I love the show, Corda, and I loved uh, my experience uh, with you that time. Ah, uh, yeah. Alex, that was good fun. Uh, yeah. So in the hopper is the uh, the Egypt – the squash junior squash development that's coming up. Next. Yeah. So I have a couple,
1: well, I'll have, so I'm trying to do at least two pieces every Friday. Um okay. But I'm, I'm cutting my, or every second Friday, but I'm cutting myself some slack because you know, life inter, as you know, interviews don't always line up, you know, yeah. like life gets in the way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I have a development series, yeah, that I'm working on, um, which just focuses on some solutions for this kind of these mid to lower rank players, like yeah. what we do to support them. You know, and if people out there have ideas on what that is, you know, head to the website, fill out the form, I'd love to have like an email dialogue with anybody, because again, like I don't, not only do I not have all the ideas, I definitely don't have all the answers. Um, so I have that in the hopper. I got to interview Rachel uh, Grinham oh, uh, recently. Oh, that's
0: awesome, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh.
1: so that I have a well, She doesn't.
0: She doesn't do a lot of that kind of stuff. So that, that's. All. I know
1: it was yeah. so great. Yeah. She's so funny, and then Jenny kept popping her head in and oh, out. Yeah. Well, like, I just had was,
0: Jenny on the the other day yeah. to do the the Renae yeah. thing. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm definitely excited about Rachel. Uh, like I look up to Rachel because I think that um, you know, for any woman to you know to fight so hard and to be successful for so long and yeah. to just oh. like really, and just she's still say, going. Like,
0: she's still playing. Right.
1: <laughs> she's still winning. not yeah. only is she so funny she's still like winning yeah. and I'm like yes girl like forget what any of them say maybe because I also am approaching you know I'm in the same age bracket as her yeah.
0: yeah. 40, so well, you should wa- I mean if, if you've ever watched her play I mean she just she plays such an she's obviously tweaked her yeah. game quite a bit since you know back when she was world number one but well, it's great to watch her play because she just sort of uses all the all her court savvy and you know, oh yeah! all the old tricks <laughs> it's great
1: you know My favorite part about her was like every i, I had asked her some questions and it was amazing and i'm not I'm like i'll share this and i'll share it in the piece as well but like she literally still plays because she loves it she's like i just love it. she's like not that she doesn't care if she wins or loses but she's like i love it and i'm like have you thought about retiring she's like i love it why would i i love it and i'm okay. like wow, like I just, I look up to that so much, right? I just think that, I just love it. I love that she is a woman who into her forties, she's playing her heart out. She's physically fit. She's passionate about the game. You know, I think for, again, even club players like myself in that age bracket, like she, yeah, she's doing so well. So I have Rachel coming up. I have um, Keisha Mashur. I'm having a lot of chat with Keisha. That's awesome. Um, So that'll be fun. We're going to talk about... um, Kind of how squash can brand itself. Like he's a fascinating guy. He's a big you know, branding how, guy, yeah. He's a big branding guy, and he's you know he's a pro in New York City, right? Like he like teaches some high end clients. So it's like, how do we make how do we make squash sexy? Do we need to make squash sexy? You know, these are all questions. Again, I don't know the answers to, so I'm just throwing it out there. You know, yeah, for yeah. people to answer. So yeah. as you know, I get to play like a fun game with. I play a little game with the people that I interview that you nominate who I interview next, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's almost been the best part, because the journey is like going down roads I never would have thought, yeah. I never would actually would have gone down, right, right, right. Um, so it's kind of a fun way, it's been a fun way to do it.
0: That's awesome, and uh, I have one more uh, question for, for you, Alex, your, your Twitter yeah. handle is uh, Alex Loves Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, can can you uh can you tell me a little bit about the Twitter handle uh, do you love obviously uh speaks for itself but uh, <laughs> it
1: speaks for itself yeah. I love pizza if there is not a pizza I have never met a pizza I didn't like in okay. fact, I had pizza twice yesterday if Ooh. you can
0: believe uh, you I am envious I'm, I'm, i am. My, my wife is away uh, now she's in South Korea so i have been it's just me and my daughter and she does not love pizza so uh <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't like pizza she 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 loves all most foods that i like but i love pizza as well so oh, uh, it's not uh you know it's it had, there hasn't been as much pizza around lately
1: so the pizza i had yesterday one of them was homemade by my aunt and it was a salmon
0: salmon oh, pizza oh, with a cream salmon. sauce okay. oh really yeah oh wow i've never had anything.
1: that before yeah i'll eat anything on a pizza like i love the old
0: uh, italian uh you know back in the neighborhood the old italian the 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 sort of mom and pop Italian pizza
1: Ah, restaurants—they're the best. Yeah, I love that. I, you know what? Sometimes I even just want a pizza by the slice. Mm. Like, give me that like gross stuff that's just like two in
0: the morning. Two in the morning.
1: (laughs) Usually, two in the morning is when I want. After I've been to see Bob Ballinger at two in the
0: morning at the ship and anchor. Yeah,
1: (laughs) give me that pizza by the slice.
0: Well, uh, Alex, you've been—it's—it's uh, it's been great to talk to you, and uh, you've been doing a great job with the, the. It's early days, I know, for the show court, but already it's—you uh, know—awesome, uh, awesome content out there. And, uh, and thanks again for for what you do and for interviewing me. And uh, let's do it again sometime.
1: Okay, I'd love it. Thanks so much, Jerry.
0: Well, many thanks to Alex for her for time today. That was fantastic. And again, uh, check out theshowcourt.com. Uh, it's unlike any uh, squash writing that we've had, I think, up until now. Uh, maybe perhaps Rob Dinnerman's uh, writing on the pro uh, doubles tour in the U.S. comes closest. It's quite... I, li- I like his writing style. It's unique. But uh, this is quite a bit different. It takes a deep dive into all the stories and uh, the writing is uh, unique, creative, descriptive and it's something that uh, quite refreshing fresh squash every other Friday check out the 10 uh, pieces uh, that are up there right now and I know that, that there are several more in the pipeline as we speak so congratulations to Alex I really appreciate uh, her for the effort that she's made in producing uh, the showcourt.com it's fantastic stuff and uh, everyone I just want to say thank you to you for listening uh, over the last little while we've got some excellent episodes upcoming as well Uh, With any luck, we'll have Marwan El-Sherbagi coming on uh, in a few uh, days. So that's going to be uh, upcoming as well. We've got uh, a couple of more in the pipeline too. So uh, stay tuned for those. And uh, just want to hope that all of you guys are uh, enjoying your squash. I've been playing a fair bit lately, and I've got a few uh, tougher matches coming up in the next uh, week or so. So looking forward to seeing how the body holds up under those... uh, circumstances. So far, so good. I've had a few great uh, sparring sessions leading up until now, and I hope, uh, you know, congratulations to the UK. I think finally uh, they're going to be able to get back on court in about a week or so, I think, maybe less than a week, and that's great news. So all the best to uh, all the UK uh, peeps out there. Uh, Good luck with your squash and all the best getting back onto the court. And uh, on that note, I just want to wish everyone all the best Take care and uh, stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. Goodbye now.